So I'm right on the threshold right now of um, of rethinking that whole thing and maybe even reimagining, you know, what should it be? Like, I didn't want my picture or my name on my original podcast because it's like, you know, the conventional wisdom is like, unless you're Joe Rogan, <laughs> unless right. you're Tim Ferriss and you have four-hour body, then, you know, nobody's going to know who you are. But now it's a little different. People do know a little bit more who I am. I am not a household name by any stretch, but in the areas that I go to do my work, people do know me and I have a lot of respect thrown my way. So I might, you know, be brave enough now to to start to use my name and maybe change the branding of what is it that I am I'm doing and I'm raising people up. I broadcast people's career. I broadcast your career. That's kind of my message. Yeah. No matter how you cut it, you're getting to the essence of who they are, and whether it's the high-level coaching or songwriting, it seems like you have a kind of uh, a very particular clientele. Like you're not seeking to necessarily work with a mass market application of what you do. Is no. that right? Yeah, that's, that's a fair statement. Yeah, for sure. Martians landed. Yes. Wearing Prada suits. Yes. Drinking Henry's seltzer. Yes. Chewing juicy fruit. Yes, and? Your branding here. Yes, brand. Your message here. Yes, and? A verse about. Yes. Your product here. Yes. I'm Hirsch Redman. Yes, and? I'm a message therapist. Yes. And I have a podcast. Yes, brand. That's right, that's it. Yes. We'll help you fix the world. Yes. Or your bottom line. All right. Your bottom line. Get it. I get it. Welcome to the Yes Brand Podcast. Yes. My guest today is James Kevin O'Connor. James is the host of the Dharmic Evolution Podcast. He's a singer-songwriter. He's a producer. He's a coach. And we'll let him... Tell us all about it. It's an honor to have you on the show today. James, thanks for coming on Yes Brand. Thank you, Hirsch. Great to be here uh, with the Comedian Master and the Yes Brand Master all wrapped up in a one. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the plug. So, James, give us, uh, to start off, your best one-floor elevator pitch. That's a tough one. Yeah, since I seem to be like a, a silo creator or a serial silo creator. Um, uh, first and foremost, I'm a Christian chaplain, which I'm very proud of that. But that, I guess, has to be like the most important thing of, of all the things I do because it keeps me grounded. It keeps me aware and it keeps me really dialed into why I'm here. You know, what's right. we all should know what our purpose in life is. And that always tells me if I forget a little bit, I'll be reminded very quickly. So so that helps me with that. Also, as you mentioned, a singer-songwriter, I've been that my entire career, even though I spent most of my career as a successful contractor, both electrical and telecommunications businesses I built from the ground up. In addition to that, um, after I got the kids through college, I had a change of life and said, okay, now I'm going to go out and stretch out and do the real thing, the, the real way with my singer-songwriter career. So I started working on Music Row in Nashville in 2013 and have done thus far three full-length albums on Music Row, uh, working on my fourth right now. Along that 
path, I also started the podcast in 2015 called The Dharmic Evolution, which is to provide a platform for other singer-songwriters around the world, indie singer-songwriters, to give them some kind of place to come to get some notoriety and some recognition. Um, after that, I put out a book just last year, Seven. it's called The Seven Steps to Mental Freedom, and that's to help young people who are really struggling and suffering with depression, which was kind of, you know, close to my heart. And then I'll stop at, I started a prison ministry in 2020 to go to inmates and just perform for them, not only music, but tell stories about sleeping in my car and the Shell Station ladies' room when I was in my younger years and uh, a little wild and crazy. So all of these things that I just described, they all center around entertainment. And that's really my gift in life is to entertain. Whether you're talking about serious subjects or you're talking about music or you're talking about comedy, which I have a, a deep love for, it all centers around that. So that's I, the I, longest I, elevator pitch you've ever that had. That is, a, that is a, at this point, <laughs> this is be, that, that it becomes, by the way, that's the great glass elevator pitch that you would see in the end of Willy Wonka where they crash through the glass ceiling and you see the elevator just going off into the distance. <laughs> but it's really interesting to hear that stuff. Like as just a listener, it's a fascinating conglomeration of, of all these different things that are truly motivated by, like you say, the chaplaincy and this notion of working with people to help them first and foremost you know whether it, whether it is the depression or whether it's or whether it's spiritually or musically and you're using what you have you're using the gifts that you have as an entertainer for a purpose so tell me if the shell station thing is that just a rite of passage for a young musician or is there more to that story or what does it represent well for me you know you'd think a guy sharing that would be go into the Woe is me. Poor me. Look what I went through. But to tell you the truth, my situation at that time was such that I was not happy. I was not being treated well in my life. And without going into those details, I remember sleeping on the tile floor in a sleeping bag. And I just had this feeling of emancipation and go, isn't this great? <laughs> nobody is nobody is bothering me. Nobody's busting my chops. Nobody's hitting me or whatever I was going through at the time. And I just felt like, you know, I was 17. I was still in high school and I was working at this gas station. And I, I always said the ladies room because it was cleaner than the men's room. And um so, you know, it wasn't a, I wasn't there a long time, you know, but it was like one of those things. I was sleeping in my car or whatever at the time. And uh, I was still working and doing all the things I needed to do. But uh, the rite of passage was sort of like, yeah, I, I've broken free and started to like create my own life and my own path. So I'm going down this road instead of one that was assigned to me. So it was really that simple, you know, and I, I share that in front of inmates to, to help them know that, you know, I'm not some guy who rolled in here in a suit who, you know, read some things that he thought you might like. I was trying to just somehow find an opening that they would relate to, to say, yeah, I, I went through something like that too. I was sleeping in an alley or whatever. And uh, also at the same time, entertain them 
and talk about the Lord that he has not forgotten you. I don't care how bad your situation is, it can turn around and there is hope for you. And I wrote a branded song for that. It's called The Gift of Hope. And I, I actually debuted it at one of the prisons. And that's another thing I, I failed to mention, that I do have a entertainment agency also that I started a while ago. And the centerpiece for that, Hirsch, is writing branded songs for authors, speakers, and thought leaders, taking their story, what they do, and putting it into an actual branded song that they can, when they go up on their way up to the podium where they're speaking somewhere, instead of playing the spinners or the temptations, they play their own song now and they use that as a vehicle to perpetuate their brand and, and get it out there in, in a lot of ways that they, you know, people wouldn't even think of marketing with a song, but you know, that's, that's what we do also. That's, that's fascinating to me, the, the branded song. Because I, first of all, I think that just the idea of now with so many people out there, you and I both know a lot of people who are podcasters, who are speakers. So the stages are important, the, you know, and it occurs to me because I'm a, I've been, a, you know, as a comedian and an entertainer and a speaker, and I've always come up against, you know, music, licensing music, licensing tracks for various things and, you know, and then customizing tracks. You know, uh, I worked in the advertising industry for a long time, so I'm very familiar with music supervision. So as a brand, as a per every uh, the whole age of the personal brand that we're in, how do you approach working with a client on a branded song? It sounds awesome. It sounds really fun. But how do you how do you approach it? So, so first of all, we developed this idea that I started thinking about it from the perspective of if I was this person who had this brand, what would I want? And so, you know, me thinking from the, you know, from the other side of the table, I said, well, I'd want to be respected and, and considered for the publishing. So what I did is I said, okay, I usually have a co-writer who happens to be Princess Diana's cousin. That's a, she's an archbishop actually. And she writes with me. So we get together with the person who, first of all, we have to make sure this is a good fit. I, you know, I can't have somebody who wrote a book about, you know, building furniture in their garage. And, and I can't get too passionate about that. You know, it's got to be <laughs> something, something pretty deep, you know, right. to compel us to get, you know, the get the juices going, you know. So what we do is we meet with that person. We dig in and find out. Tell us how you think about this. What is your brand? What do you do? What do you represent? What's behind this? And usually sketch out a bunch of things and then I'll demo it and I'll send uh, a copy to them of this is what I have so far. What do you think? They'll come back, say, yeah, I like this, but I, I want to add this and this and, and I'll, I'll keep doing it. And sometimes it's two or three go arounds, but we get it to where the message is clear. The melody is good. It's well structured. It's put together professionally. And once I get the green light on that, then I get my team together in Nashville on Music Row and we bring in the best of the best to turn this into like a killer produced song that holds its own with anybody else out there. And then it gets mixed and mastered. And then fortunately, the last time I did this, I, I was on working on a new album and I asked the person, the client, I said, listen, I'm putting out an album in about three months. 
if you'd like, I will put this song on my album because I happen to be the vocalist on it. It just so uh -huh. happened. And he was thrilled. He said, absolutely. I said, listen, it's another vehicle for you, too, because there's another place somebody can go for that song. And in addition to a single being put out there. So it's kind of unlimited what you can do once you have this song, how you can promote it. If I don't happen to be doing the vocals on it, which I don't necessarily have to do, I'm not going to do every song, especially if it's suitable for a woman to sing. Mm -hmm. we, we can approach any number of artists to say, would you like to be involved in this, both as a vocalist and have it on your record? So it's just opportunities are almost limitless of what you can do with this. Well, it's similar to in, you know, in advertising when when a brand will say, okay, we could license, you know, the Beatles, let's say, or some, some really famous artist, or we could break an unknown band and have them collaborate with us on the, on the song for the commercial or the campaign. And that becomes, you know, a more viable way. And it's great for the band, you know, it breaks them. It helps break them. You know, the same thing could happen on TV. It could happen in movies, but, uh, but branded entertainment I think is really not fu fulfilled anywhere near its potential, you know? Right. And I think you, yeah. you definitely get that James with seeing branded songs for, uh, for personalities as a viable form of entertainment and not just, not just a marketing tool, but also a piece of art and it's an entertainment in its own right, you know, that you could put it on your album and so clearly this song is not only meant to be enjoyed when this person is entering an auditorium to give a speech, right? It has, it stands yeah. on its own, I guess. You know, alumni, Professor Scott Geller, who we wrote a song for, he, he has speakers, not for his brand, and he speaks too, and they go all over the world. They go to Hawaii and yeah. everywhere. And, and they use it on all of their campaigns. They the song is on all their email, outgoing email, so people can just listen right there. Like, he has all kinds of ways that he's always constantly pushing the song out there. And then, you know, for your family, it's like, listen, 75 year, years after you're dead, that song is still like in the family. Yeah. You know, it goes, it gets passed on to your next generation. So, um, you know, it's it's just a nice thing to say, well, listen, I invested, you know, spent some thousands of dollars on building this song and, for my brand, but there's a payback that comes to you. <laughs> you yeah. got a long time to pay that back. And, and who knows who, who will pick that song up? Like you said, some band or some other artist wants to cover it. It can go on in perpetuity, you know, just, just endlessly. Now that said, is it, how central is it to your business model? Like one of the things that we talked about before, before the show is, you know, possibly rebranding your podcast, um, you know, to kind of convey something a little different. And, and what I, ha what I hope to do here is kind of just really play, you know, everybody who comes on the show, we just kind of open it up. It's almost like right. putting the patient on the table, kind of open them up and we just do exploratory surgery. And then, then the benefit is that we're not really cutting them open. We're not really stitching them, you know, together with, with a different makeup, but we're, well, we're at least exploring it. We're throwing it out there. How central is the branded songwriting to your image of what you do, you think? 
See, I'm in the throes of that right now. When I started Dharmic Evolution, which is, um, I was like, all right, I was way deep into my yoga, you know, back then, pre-pandemic. Right. Yeah, I was a yogi for like 15 years until the pandemic came in. Did six years of Bikram, seven years of, of Vinyasa flow or whatever. But, you know, I, that word came from that, like your center, Dharmic is, that's the space you should like aspire to be the best that you can possibly be. And I have this tree, which with all these beautiful colors around it as my logo with the tree of life. But so many things have happened since 2015 when I started this that, you know, I've grown, the show has grown, that I'm right at the cusp of about to say I'm I'm readdressing the branding because I have the James O'Connor agency, which kind of the branded song goes in there. And then I also have my coaching practice, which is for, you know, it's really high level elite coaching. You know, it's about paradigms and mind, mind space and mind shift and, you know, all of these things that people need to get out of their way to accomplish their goals. So we can save the details of that for another day. But you make yeah. such a good point, Hirsch, about branding is essentially, it, it's so essential to convey a message so I'm right on the threshold right now of um, of rethinking that whole thing and maybe even reimagining, you know, what should it be? Like, I didn't want my picture or my name on my original podcast because it's like, you know, the conventional wisdom is like, unless you're Joe Rogan, <laughs> unless right. you're Tim Ferriss and you have four-hour body, then, you know, nobody's going to know who you are. But now it's a little different. People do know a little bit more who I am. I am not a household name by any stretch, but in the areas that I go to do my work, people do know me and I have a lot of respect thrown my way. So I might, you know, be brave enough now to to start to use my name and maybe change the branding of what is it that I am I'm doing and I'm raising people up. I broadcast people's career. I broadcast your career. That's kind of my message. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely broadcast their image and who they are. And no matter how you cut it, you're cutting, you're getting to the essence of who they are and whether it's the high level coaching or songwriting, it seems like, like you have a kind of, uh, a very particular clientele. You like you're not seeking to necessarily work with a mass market application of what you do. Is no. that right? Yeah, that's that's a fair statement. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, you get joy out of out of lifting people up, working on working one on one, right? Yeah, the actual the culture of the Dharmic Evolution podcast was always about doing for others. And, you know, that kind of theme runs sort of through everything I do because it's most satisfying to me. I'll tell you the truth, all the gigs I used to do, Hirsch, when I left that prison, the first time I ever performed in a prison, I said, this was the most elated feeling I ever had in my life. When I left these guys and there was a tough, it was a tough crew. Let me tell you, they had the tats on the neck and, you know, they yeah. were like the first 10, 15 minutes they were all sitting in the chairs talking and sort of ignoring me. And, and little by little, like I pulled them in and I won them over. And, and at the end, they all surrounded me and were coming up, shaking my hand, saying, 
this was really great. We really appreciated this. It was more, I think, that I connected with them in a way that I offered them hope. And to me, there's nothing, be- there's nothing more rewarding than to see somebody in, a, in such a state like that and to see their, their energy level suddenly be lifted up and to start thinking about possibility. So to that end, it's like, you know, I can't get enough of that kind of stuff. It's like when I'm serving (laughs) and doing things like that, you know, I'm fulfilling like what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm really, I'm really curious to hear a song, any song of yours actually, because I, I'm just, it, it feels like I, like I won't get to know you well enough if I don't hear your music, it could be something that you've written for a, for a person, you know, or it could be a regular song, but is there a way for me to hear just a snippet of something? Well, let's see if we can, uh, what could we pull up here? Let me see. Like maybe the Scott Geller one. Yeah. Let's see if this works. Oh, there it is. You got it? Yep.
that was James Kevin O'Connor with Love. I don't know what the title is, but it here sounded share, like Here to Share and Care. <laughs> here to Share with Here to Share and Care. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was great. Yeah. Okay, Thanks, you're going to need to put the put the headphone back thing oh. cuz it'll it'll yeah, echo. No. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Okay. Cool. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah thanks. That go. was uh, brought back some memories. See, the woman singing on that is oh my god, her her name Ray Williams, R A Y E yeah. Williams. She's a title artist, Beyonce and Jay Z's brand. Uh huh. So she signed to them, and uh, yeah, really killer, wonderful, wonderful singer, um, really great. And then I had Tim McGraw's drummer on the drums there, Sean Fitchter, and a bunch of other just. People who are uh, the guitar players out with Allison Krauss right now. Oh wow! Uh, so yeah, I'm in good company. I got some amazing. Yeah, uh, the musicianship is wonderful, and you know it, it has that event feel to it, that anthemic kind yeah. of feel to it, which is what I was kind of listening for. Because when you think about like a theme or a, a person's kind of brand, you know, you think you think about that. Um, that's pretty cool. So now, what was this one for? What was the... This was uh, Scott's brand, actually, is he's written a whole bunch of books on psychology. He's a psychology major, or uh, right. a professor, rather. But he has a brand called Actively Caring for People. And what they do is it's they have these green, thick, like rubber band wrist straps, and they have a, they have a number on them. They're all unique numbers. So if you see somebody like helping an old person across the street or changing a flat tire or whatever, you go and you take your, your wristband off and you go and give it to them and you say, thank you for actively caring for somebody today. And then they can go back home and type that number into the website, which is around the world, and all these events start popping up of people actually going out of their way for each other. And that's his actively caring brand. Oh, okay. Well, that's perfect. Yeah. You know, I was going to I was going to say your and that was you singing? Yeah. Yeah, your 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 voice has a kind of a Dennis DeYoung quality like from oh, Sticks. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I yeah. love Sticks. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, it thanks. has that it had that um that kind of power to it. Very cool. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate man. your sharing that, James, yeah. because it's it helps it helps kind of get a real sense of of you know, where you're coming from. And so if someone were to say to you, oh, I, I feel, I see myself as a certain style, like, would you, so would it, would, are you kind of style agnostic or genre agnostic when it comes to approaching the song? Or do you have a certain kind of style that you like to use? I'm pretty diversified. I am of the um, Americana, folk, pop rock, you know, grew up on British rock, but I'm really pretty flexible as to, you know, what are you going for here? And I, you know, I, I play guitar pretty well and I play a lot of different things, but I, I kind of stay in the producer, vocalist, writer, mold, um, you know, mold for this. Like, for instance, we had a producer on this, Kim Copeland, who's produced um, pretty much all of my records. And I act as a executive producer. In other words... You know, I create the demos. I do all my work in my studio. When I go there, I'm very respectful as to I am the associate producer. Right. Like, she's the producer. And it's like, yeah. I got enough hats. I don't need, you know, more whatever. I, and, and I have enough to watch the song, make sure the vocals are right, make sure 
you know, I'm doing my job as the singer and the fact that I have these other hats, I can just put them on the shelf for now. And then I can go back to that role um, later on in post-production to add other tracks, whether I'm adding synth tracks or guitar or acoustic or doing harmonies or whatever I'm doing. And then so I, I think you have an advantage when you, you know, admire and respect the fact that you have all this talent around you. I want to hear what you guys have. Don't worry right. about what I, I want to hear. They have libraries of decades of sessions with all of these great players, man. I want to hear the juice that you can come to this song with. So I stay right. really quiet until there's something to say. If I really smell something that's way out of whack, then I step in and say something. Uh, but other than that, I, I let people do what they're paid to do and what they're skilled at. And you always come away learning something. You know, every letting time. people do letting people do what they do best is a is a really important skill. You know, it sounds like nothing, right? But it's it's the best thing you can possibly do in a collaboration is get out of the way of somebody who's who's there for a certain superpower that they have. Yeah. That they bring to it. Just let them let them do it. Yeah. And um, you know the thing I learned Hirsch when I first started going there is you know ironically it was the opposite of what I grew up with which is the more talented these people, the more humble they are. And it was like uh -huh. such a joy to go in and work with these guys. And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, like my piano player, Paul Hollowell, he's been with Dolly Parton for 25 years. And he's working on my stuff. And it's like, what the hell? And they're, they're just, they're all about the music. They don't care to be, you know, they don't want to be tops of the pops. They just love being the fabulous musicians they are. So it's a very rich environment that, that I get to work in. And I say I get to work in because I'm so appreciative uh, just to be there, you know? Yeah. So I, really I cool. was making that, that occurred to me the other day is I was thinking about human success, what makes somebody kind of successful as a human, right? And it occurred to me that this yes brand method that I apply to branding where it's the yes and rule of improv and I'm somebody makes an offer and I accept the offer. And I was like, you know, people who are really successful humans are capable of accepting the offer of another human being. Whereas people who are, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with money. They could have tons of money or not, but people who have a sense of humor about themselves also tend to be people who can accept the offer of the other person. So they, so they're willing to listen to somebody just because they're humble enough to entertain another opinion. And that that's kind of a recipe for, it's like what I call a happiness formula. It's like a, it's like a, a way to be happy is to be open to other people's input and other people's points of view. So that, I agree. that, that resonates with me when I think about your, your show and your brand and, um, you know, the things that keep popping up are freedom. Freedom seems to pop up a lot with you. You know, the you know, freedom see, of sleeping uh, on the gas station floor. Yeah. The, it's, the, the free, you know. The title the of my new, of, guess what the title of my new album is? What? God, Guns, and Freedom. <laughs> God, Guns, and Freedom. There you go. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say that one of the there's a couple things that came up as possible names for your podcast and this is again we're just playing but the sound of freedom had something resonated but again it's, it sounds a little like freedom is tough because a lot of people 
it's so it's such a big word that it uh, it can intimidate a lot of people like yeah. like the sound of freedom or music of freedom or melody of freedom those are things that i like and then also team freedom also was interesting but it's it feels like it could be taken so politically when that's totally not what i think you intend you know right right yeah but tell me about it's, the album a little bit well what was it god guns and freedom yeah god guns and freedom well i lived in nashville right outside of nashville for two years and i, right. I moved there right at the beginning of the pandemic so it was a very strange time for, for everybody and especially to like go to a new place when everything was locked down but the sense the overwhelming sense i got there was People live really differently in the Tennessee area than, than other places. Like their freedom is very, very important to them. Like they, yeah. you know, the, the, the whole life, liberty and pursuit of happiness kind of runs through everybody's psyche that you run into. And, and the guns, you know, God, of course, me being a Christian chaplain, you know, you want the freedom to have a relationship with God, but the guns don't represent, it's not a, it's not a representation of violence. It's just another aspect of freedom. You know, I get right. to have the gun, you know, maybe I use it for hunting food or whatever. And, you know, there's not a huge crime rate down there with people with guns. They're very, very responsible. They treasure and revere that right to, you know, that's an expression of their freedom. So it just, you know, it made sense to, you know, so part of, I think most of that, it's actually the title song of the album also. We're all multi-hyphenated people. Um, so it's, it's always a stretch to really like focus on, you know, I think it's more about uncovering your purpose and mm -hmm. all the other things will line up behind that. But I think once you have that in the forefront of your mind, the, the rest of it becomes a little bit easier. Because, you know, without a purpose, I always ask people to, uh, part of my coaching is, you know, I did a workshop on this about a month ago, and I said, you know, uncovering your purpose is a really valuable exercise to do. Because if you ask people on the street, nine out of 10 will say, what do you mean? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an accountant. No, I didn't ask you what you do for a living. I asked what your purpose is. Right. And it's a really, really important thing to to really sit down and think about. Like I'm here for 70, 80, 90, 100 years and I never figured out my purpose. That's tragic. <laughs> yeah. You should really know your purpose or find out, you know, do everything you can to uncover it. What is it? What is your purpose? And I think yeah. that helps us. It helps drive better decision making. I think once you have that, you know, things become really apparent. Yeah, it's one of the words. It's one of the words that is, in my opinion, not overused. You know, it's like how how like I've talked about how authenticity is so overused. It seems so silly. It's like a it's it's a no brainer that branding, for example, should be authentic or that image should be authentic. That's the whole point is to communicate who you are, not who you would pretend to be or would be if you could blank. You know. Yeah. So authenticity is a, like. If it's taken us this long to discover authenticity, then something's really wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, but purpose is just, I think, catching on. So now I would revise my thing to, uh, I could see this, I could see this purpose play. Purpose play with James O'Connor. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> a purpose play if you look at it in, a, you could interpret it in different ways. You could you could interpret it as 
a play, you know, making a play for your for your purpose, trying to find your purpose, trying to figure out the thing and play as in music and then play as in as in kind of free play. Yeah. Well, this is good because it's it's jamming, you know, I mean, we're jamming right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. The best things happen. So before we go, I like to give the floor to the guest to share any kind of message or sentiment that you feel you'd like to leave the audience with. What can they take with them from this podcast today? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to thank you, Hirsch, for, you know, being so kind as to invite me on and, you know, have this special time because this was really, really excellent. I enjoyed, you know, the back and forth and, and sharing all the things and congratulations on being a grandfather soon. It's pretty awesome stuff. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd just like to say to the audience that um, uh, if I can be of any help to you in any way, you can just Google me, James Kevin O'Connor. I'll probably come up under a bunch of different things or my podcast, especially if you need coaching help. And even if you have somebody in your life who's struggling with depression, you can reach out to me. I have this simple book that I wrote, Seven Steps to Mental Freedom, that if they're really struggling, I'll even send you a copy. But it's you can read it in actually 25 minutes and start applying the principles that are in there without medicine. Um, if you're really serious, you need a professional for that. But this can help a lot of people who want an alternative. So that's why it was written. So you can go to 7stepstomentalfreedom.com and check it out there. But I would just like to encourage you to uncover your purpose. Think about it a little bit. And also, if you haven't established a relationship with the Lord, I encourage you to do this. It is the most important thing you can do in this life because this life is a bus stop. And it's over before you can blink your eye. So what happens to you after you leave here? And if you haven't pondered that, we all were very busy, you know, doing life insurance and we're we're building these big facades and we're going to you know, have three barns to keep all our gold in <laughs> and and all of these things that we spend so much time in this short life with zero planning for the next life. So I would just encourage you that if you haven't, you know, thought about that, please do so. And, you know, just be blessed. And if you need help, ask the Lord for help and he will help you. If you liked the show, yes, it worked for you. Yes, Subscribe and leave a yes, five-star review. Yes, Tell all your friends. Yes, Get your branding here. Yes, Get your branding here. Yes, Did I make it clear? Yes, Get your branding on yes. before they're gone. Yes.